born to die He might give eternal life that I might live then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. Look there again in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and look there in uh, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, you're not loving God, and God's not loving. See, God's love doesn't cause you to love the world. When God says don't love the wrong thing, then God is not, God's love is not telling you to do it anyway. God's love doesn't tell you to go outside the, the bonds of matrimony and have sex with somebody. I don't care how many times you've been married or divorced or another God says it's wrong. Sex outside of marriage is what? Wrong. So God's love for you will not lead you to do that, which is contrary to the word of God and to the love of God. So God always tells us the thing to do that would help us and to be a blessing to it. Because if you live long enough, you're going to be so glad you went ahead and obeyed the Lord. And to wait and be patient. It's better not to get married if it's going to make you that miserable for the rest of your life. It's better to be single and happy than married and miserable. But this is not a marriage seminar. The night will cover that some other time. All right. Look back here in your notes. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, I want you to look at that in your Bible. Verse 17, because we're talking about this love being perfected. So God says, after you trust him as your savior, yes, you're his child, he's your father. Your father wants you to be like him. In the book of uh, Ephesians, in chapter 5, verse 1, be ye imitators of God. In other words, imitate God. So you want to follow somebody, follow the Lord. Because he's perfect. And he won't fail you, won't let you down. But you go ahead and do what God wants you to do. Be patient, wait upon him. Learn as much as you possibly can about him. And then learn to walk with him. And so... He makes a statement here in verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love catheth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. This whole book is about this subject. And it's to the children of God, and how that... We make choices in life. So God says, if you'll choose to do what I want you to do, then you'll learn to love the right things and people in the right way because I'm just loving them through you. 
But sometimes we don't care about what God wants. We're going to do whatever we want to do anyway. Well, that comes from our old sinful nature. And that's why we don't love. And our, our kind of love is uh, simple. It's, um, I love you if you love me. You don't love me, I don't love you. Now, God's love doesn't do that. That's the human love. I love you as long as you do me right. You don't do me right, I hate you. And it's amazing how quickly so-called love can turn to hate. True? Some of you know I'm telling the truth. Some of you say, I don't know what you're talking about. Look at the next statement. Well, let's just look there at number two here. Number two, who or what is love? Who or what is love? Well, in 1 John chapter 4, look in verse 8. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. Look at that verse. God is love. Verse 8, he that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. If you don't learn how to love, you will never learn your heavenly Father till you get to heaven. But if you want to know the Lord better, then you'll have to learn how to love better. The way God would love. And because he so loved the world, we're supposed to what? Love the world. Everybody. God is not a respecter of persons. We should not be a respecter of persons. We should love and treat everybody the same way. And if you'll do what God says do. See, God says, his son came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And he says, as the father hath sent me into the world, even so send I you. So if his son went... Am I supposed to go? I'm supposed to go too. In other words, I'm supposed to be just like my, my elder brother. I am heir with God and joint heirs with Christ. We're in the same family. We've got the same job. I got a sign here somewhere that says Jesus was God's only son, but he was a missionary. He only had one son and he was a missionary. So if you think about, I wonder what I should do with my life. Maybe be a missionary. Because whether you do it or not, that's what God expects. God expects us to be missionaries. It may be wherever you work. It could be on the foreign field. It could be to your neighbor. So these things are important. Look at the next statement. Let it be there. Love is of God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, where he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So God wants you to learn something that, you know, you didn't know before. And just like a child learning to love their parents, that little baby that's born, you'd be surprised how many times that mom will pick up that little baby. I love you, 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 I love you. Probably hear those words more than anything else. And I wonder why the baby, the first thing he says is, Mama. Look at the uh, next statement here. Does God's love, who does he love? He loves the world. God so loved the world. And he also says that when he died on the cross, he paid for the sins, not only of those who believe, but it was the propitiation for all sins, the whole world. See there in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. Verse 2 of chapter 2. And he is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the what? Whole world. So God did not stop loving you just because you trusted him as Savior. It's like, okay, now you're saved. I'll see you when you, when you die, and I'll see you when you get to heaven. Like he doesn't care about us. No, he loves you with an everlasting love. And he is working in your life whether you see it or not. 
He will not desert you. He will not leave you. He said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. So your father's always chasing around after you. He gave you the Holy Spirit to live within you. And so hopefully that um, the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and teaches us something. So when we do the things that we shouldn't do, there's a little guilt that comes in our mind. That ain't right. You know that's not right. And even though nobody else knows, you know God does and God sees And it should prick your heart to where you want to do the things that God wants you to do. I want you to very quickly look there in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Hold the place where we are because I'll be coming back there anyway. 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. There's 1 Corinthians, then 2 Corinthians, and then 3 Corinthians. All right, 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. The Bible says that we have been given the gospel. That means the good news to tell people how they can have eternal life and go to heaven. So in verse 19, it says, for though I be free from all men. Free means I got the liberty to make a decision. God's going to let me choose. And so after we trust Christ as our Savior, he set us free. We can choose. We can choose to obey him. We can choose to disobey him. But there's consequences to our decisions. But here in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, look what he says here in verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. In other words, if he hadn't have become a servant to reach more, he wouldn't have gained more. In other words, I did this that I could gain more. Then he says here in the last part of verse 20, that I might gain them that are under the law to gain In other words, if I hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have gained them. So those are decisions that you can make. I decided that I didn't want people to go to hell if I can do anything about it. And so for the last 55 years, I've been saved 59 years, I wanted to tell people how to go to heaven. And because of that, it's changed my whole life. It gave me a different perspective on how I look at things, how I see things, because I know God loves that person. And there were times when I thought, I don't really, really care. But I care about God. And God cares about him. So I let God's love for me motivate me to please him. And telling that person how to go to heaven pleases God. So I learned how to let the love of God constraineth me. Because we thus judge that if he died for all, then all were dead. And that they which live, that know the truth, should not henceforth from now on to the rest of my life live unto himself, but unto him who died from him and rose again. So I had a purpose for living. And so this is mentioned all the way down here. Now look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's often called the love chapter. The love chapter. Because the word love is mentioned in this an awful lot. So you look there and in this book, in this chapter, the word charity means love. So in verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If I have not love. Now we're talking about the love that God wants us to have. In other words, God says, if you don't have this, you're just a lot of noise. You're just a lot of noise. You can talk big fights, but you don't do the battle. You don't get in there and fight for souls. Because it's so easy just to put them out of your mind and do something else. But love motivates. Love captures you. Love gets a hold of you and just won't let you go. 
And because if you ever fall in love with the Lord, it's an everlasting grip that God gets on your soul. And I just didn't want people to go to hell. So then he says in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. If you had the faith to move mountains, but you don't love. See, God says he wants you to grow and mature because God is not like a mountain. And God's not a tinkling cymbal and, and, and brass. God is a person. And God loves. God wants us to have that love that he has in us to build us to where we care. And that's what calls us to discipline our life. When you see a child of God that lives like the devil, you know, that's the person who doesn't love God. Because if you love God, you want to try to do the things that pleases God. Now, if you don't please God, you're still God's child. You're still going to heaven, but you become ashamed to the family of God. I figure if I'm a child of the king, and I am, I should use the language of the court. And even though I didn't finish high school, I ran away from home. I finished the 10th grade. And I was 17 years old, and I was sick and tired of people telling me what I could and couldn't do, so I ran away from home and joined the Navy. And that's smart. Now, did they tell me what to do? But I didn't think that far. It was great as I rode the train going to Milwaukee to the military base to go to boot camp. I didn't know what boot camp was. I guess they all, everybody had boots. Well, I found out what boot camp was all about. And on my way there, I had bought me a little $1 harmonica. And I remember laying in that caboose as we were riding down the track, and I'd learn how to play You Are My Sunshine on the harmonica. And that was a song that I learned. And then I learned some more and some more and some more. But that's when I did. I was 17 years old. And uh, it's amazing how God, you know, refreshes your mind every once in a while and you can recall certain things. And some of those places and names and dates and like I did, man, it's like, just like that. And I have trouble trying to figure out, well, now what did I eat yesterday? I don't remember what I ate yesterday. Where was I yesterday? I don't know. So I said, what did you preach on last Sunday? I says, when? <laughs> I don't know. I have to go check my calendar, look at my notes. I don't remember. Because some things after a while, they don't matter. See, this is my hard drive. It's only got one gig. And it's already overloaded. And it's starting to run slow. So the only way I can remember something new is I've got to delete something. So that's why I keep deleting things. So I can have room to add something else. You buy that, don't you? You don't believe a word I'm saying. But this whole thing is talking about this. Look at it in verse 4. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. And everywhere you put the word love here, you know you can put the word God there. God suffereth long. God, God, God. Everywhere you see the word charity, it's talking about God. And then you can take the word God and love and put the word Christ in there. And then after you get through doing all of that, you put your name there. Yankee suffereth long and is kind. Yankee envieth not. Yankee vaunteth not himself. Yankee is not puffed up. Does not behave himself unseemly. Seeketh not his own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. See, when the love of God permeates your life, then you should learn to love like God does. And the definition of love in the Bible should be the definition of you. That's your characteristic. Do you love 
like God loves. Now go back there to the book of 1 John. And look at this verse here. Number four in your notes, how did God love? How did he love? God calls us his children in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God. You are loved. That's what the word beloved means. Beloved, in other words, you've allowed God to love you. So he's writing a letter to his beloved. You allowed God to love you. Now what God's saying, you let me love you enough to give you eternal life. Now I want you to let me love you enough to teach my children how to grow in the Lord and become mature. So that you love God and you love heaven. You love where you're going more than where you are in this world. Otherwise you're going to love this world. See, most people can't see afar off. They can't see into eternity. And God said, if you can see into eternity, that's where you're going to be. I used to sing that little song, Lord, build me just a cabin in the corner of glory land. Well, after I started studying the Bible, I want a mansion on Hallelujah Avenue. I used to take and squish mud between my toes. You ever do that and get in the creek and squish mud between the toes? Don't that feel so good? But I'm going to do it with gold dust when I get to heaven. Well, maybe I won't. I don't know. But he says, up in heaven, we're going to walk on gold. Down here, people kill each other for gold. But that time's coming. We're going to have what God wants us to have. Look at the next statement. And number four, he laid down his life. First John 3.16, it says that. But not only in John 3.16, but it's also talking about in John 3.16. But look there in First John 3.16. Hereby perceive we. In other words, you can see, discern. Perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for who? So does God want us and expecting us to live the way he lived? And to love the way he loved? And that means if he gave his life for us, then God wants us to live for others. So for the last 55 years that I've understood, I have given my life to win souls. And I've given my life to try to take those who know the Lord and teach them to love the Lord. Because if I don't teach you to love God, I have failed you. I want you to love the Lord more than anything else in this world. And when you love the Lord the way you should, love, perfect love, casts out fear. And I see too many of God's children and some of the adults who are afraid of growing old, afraid of not having money, afraid because of their health, and living in fear. Now, look what he says in chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Look down there one more time in verse 17. Herein is our love made mature, perfect. In other words, in every area of your life. Not just where you learn to love in certain areas, but every area of your life. We may have boldness in the day of judgment. That's the day that's coming down the road. And be bold because while you were here in this world, you didn't love the world. You tried to reach the world. And you are looking forward to the day when you get to heaven. And don't you want there to be people in heaven because you lived here? And you don't live here for long. So while you're here, you got to get as many as you possibly can to go to heaven. That's why we have ranch, because we want kids to bring kids to ranch. That's why we want people to bring people to, to church on Sunday. Get them to listen to the radio. All those various ways. Look what else he says. 
In verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. And a lot of God's children, instead of being filled with love, they're filled with fear. Fear. Those are the two strongest motivations there is, love and fear. And the Bible talks about, yes, we should have a, a fear of God. That means a holy, a high, holy, reverential respect for the Lord. Because understanding that your heavenly Father can chasten us and take us home at any time. And that God can work behind the scenes and work things in our lives to be a blessing or it can be a chastening. So you don't want to make God upset. You don't want to make God angry. So learn the things that pleases the Lord and you'll be surprised how much God's going to do to give you that life that's pleasing. Because you'll be happy because you did what God wanted you to do. Look at the next statement down here. Number five, who are believers to love? Well, the Lord and the believers. So that's the same as you read back there in the book of Exodus in chapter 20 about the love been given. Because the whole law is fulfilled in one word, L-O-V-E, love. Because see, if you love each other, you don't want to do anything that's wrong against each other. You don't want to lie about them. You don't want to destroy somebody's character, ruin somebody's testimony. You don't want to gossip. Some people, they gossip so much that they must be paid for it. I don't know. But here you are, and you want to do the things that are right. And God says that's how you prove that you are my disciples, that you learn to love one another. So if God forgave us because of our wrong against him, what are we supposed to do to those who wrong us? You haven't got a clue. Then we're supposed to forgive them. Why? Because that's a sign of love. You ever seen somebody say, I'll never forgive him. If the last thing I do, I'll never forgive him. Oh, that's really great. We're so glad to hear you say that. Boy, you're a man of conviction. It's just so wrong, ungodly. It's not what God wants. There's sometimes married people, they can get into a fuss over something, nothing, and then five years later, they can't remember what it was, but they're still mad at each other. And every time something happens, they've got to bring it up. You ever thought about, you know, if God can forgive me, why can't I forgive her? Well, why can't I forgive him? My kids just never showed me any respect. Well, la-dee-da. So go have a pity party. Nobody's going to come. And you're going to be all alone. You don't love the kid because the kids love you back. You love the kids because God wants you to love your kids and treat them right and do right by them. If they choose to love you back, that's icing on a cake. But they don't have to. Because that's not the reason why you love now, God says we love him because he first loved us. Now, it's great when we love each other because love likes to be, you know, reciprocated. So if you um, learn to love the way God wants you to, you'll be blessed, you'll be happier. And it's a great way to live. Look down at the bottom, number six. What are believers not to love? Well, we just talked about that in the book of First uh, John in chapter 2 and verse 15. Down to verse 17, there's the lust of the flesh as sensualism. The consuming desire, get this, to do what I want. That consuming desire to do what I want to do with my life. And then the lust of the eyes. The compelling urge to have what I want to have. You see something and you are envious or jealous of somebody else and you crave what... That's, that's not wise. And the pride of life... Is humanism. The constant thrust to be 
what I want. So to do, to have, and to be can just about sum up your life, can't it? But if you learn to love God, then you can get to do what God wants, have what God wants, to be what God wants, and when you've got God working on your side, the good possibility you're going to succeed. True? But can you trust God? You know how He is. You can trust anything He says, can you? God doesn't lie. God means what He says. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, He hates what we do wrong, but He loves us. I love my children. I just didn't like what they did wrong. My wife loves me. She just don't like what I do wrong if I ever did. No, no, I didn't. But God loves us. He just don't like what we do that's wrong. But to pay for what we do wrong is eternal separation from God in hell. Since everybody's in the same boat, everybody's sinned. Everybody's condemned. So God says to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect. As righteous as God, but nobody's perfect. Everybody sins. Heaven's perfect. God's perfect. We're not. So how are we going to get there? God says you cannot earn your way to heaven. So all the good deeds you'll ever do in your life will never pay for one sin. You have to pay for it. You have a sin debt, a debt you owe because you sinned against a holy God. This sin represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Now, he came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ didn't have any sin, so he didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he loved us. Love motivated him to do something for us. He took all the sins of all the world and didn't say you had to love him back. You didn't even have to accept it. But he made a payment for all of your sins on the cross. He died, came back from the dead, said the only thing you have to do to go to heaven is believe he did that for you. That's the stipulation he put on it. Because he won't make you go to heaven. He won't make you go. He won't make you be his child. He won't force you to have eternal life and live with him. But he describes what heaven is like. And if you like that, you'll look at the alternative. So God said, if you'll believe he did it for you, he puts this payment to your account. The reason I don't have to pay for my sins, he paid for it. And for the rest of my life, I don't have any sins to pay for. Why? Because he's already paid for it. He did it 2,000 years ago before I was ever born. So he included all of my sins. And all of yours. And the only thing you have to do is believe that he did it for you. And God will give you eternal life as a gift. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. That's best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as Savior. Maybe you've heard about it. Just like I heard parts, bits and pieces. But I never put it together. And finally one day I saw it. I realized eternal life is free and it was a gift and all I had to do was believe it. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here tonight and you have never really trusted the Lord as your Savior, I can't save you. The church can't save you. Your money, your good works, all that can't save you. Only Christ. Will you trust Him to take you to heaven when you die? Will you believe that He died on that cross and paid for your sins? And if you'll believe it, He gives you right now as a free gift, everlasting life. And if it's everlasting, it lasts forever. And he'll never cast you out and never lose you. So if you're watching by internet, right on the screen, says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you will. But you that are here in the auditorium, this is not to trick you, to get you to come down the aisle to sign a card. I do this with heads bowed and eyes closed because I don't want to embarrass you. But I want to know if what I said made sense to you. 
Will you trust Christ as your Savior tonight? And will you let me know by just slipping your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Just slip it up and put it right back down. I'll wait just a moment. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your whole life. God loves you. Wants you to have eternal life. Wants you to go to heaven. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for this opportunity you've given us to study your word. Bless each one here in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing.